You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, y'all? Welcome into the Hard Count, the People Show. For every single thing that you know and that you love about college football, well, guess what? It happens here every single day. We are live right now as we are every single Tuesday, 1 Central, 2 Eastern. The same is true on Thursdays at the exact same time. We're so glad to have you along with us. We have a ton to get into. Transfer Portal Madness is here. It's in full effect. Got a lot to break down with that. I want to open the show with saying this. The entire world, not just the college football world, is deeply saddened by the passing of Mike Leach. Mike Leach is someone who impacted college football and all those around him very much so for the better. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Leach family and the Mississippi State community today. I never got a chance to be around Mike Leach much in close proximity, but there was one instance where I got to be around him a little bit at the Holiday Bowl. I was doing freelance stuff, got credentialed, and got to you know sort of run around that event for a little bit and got the chance to talked to him just for a few minutes and was so personable, made you feel important, even though I was just a college kid at the time, running around, like I said, doing freelance media for no real outlet. And I'll never forget the way that he was just intentional, wanted to hear about me, wanted to hear about what we were doing. While well, he's got a bowl game, he's ready to coach. So again, extremely saddened by the passing of Mike Leach, as is everybody else today. And um, thoughts and prayers, like I said, with the family and with the Mississippi State community. A lot to get into today. Like I said, Transfer Portal Intel is very much so a relevant topic today. We got a lot for you. Got a couple of committed players, a couple of uncommitted players. We got to talk about as it seems more and more like we're seeing some of these commitments become more, more and more uh, relevant or imminent, maybe is the better word to say there as the Transfer Portal is heating up. A lot to talk about there. We're going to bring on the man, the myth, the legend, national recruiting analyst for On3, Josh Newberg. Signing day, right around the corner. Who is on Flipwatch? I don't know if you noticed yesterday, if you were paying attention to some of these trending hashtags, but hashtag Dante to LA. That was going around. Dante Moore obviously taking a visit to UCLA and uh, some pretty nice visit pictures. Going to talk to him about that, as well as other potential recruits that could flip. Deion Sanders running around. You never know what's going to happen. Keep an eye on your roster. Grayson McCall, a guy who also jumped into the transfer portal from Coastal Carolina. Now he's going to play in the bowl game, but that is a big-time quarterback, a guy who's played a lot of football, got some really impressive numbers. Sounds like he reached out to Auburn, not the other way around. Grayson McCall reached out to Auburn to see if there was any interest. Going to talk about that. Is he a fit? I want to break that down and see what we have there. The Peach Bowl is right around the corner. Believe it or not, they are still going to play some playoff games here very soon. Ohio State and Georgia set to tee it up in big time stages, big time matchups like that. Oftentimes, it's those X factor kind of players that end up popping off. We did a segment like this for Ohio State, Michigan, not to toot our own horn, but we were on the money on two of those X factors we told you about. So we're going to do the same thing for that game. Really excited to get it going. Then also check in on those new head coaches. Hey, how's the new job? First few weeks into it, recruiting going crazy. Oh, by the way, re-recruit your current roster so they don't jump into the transfer portal. While you're at it, why don't you put together your own staff? Going to check in on those guys and give you a one-word summary as to how their time has been taken over the job. Like I said, got a ton to break down. So fired up to have you along with us at the end of this program. The best thing that we do here, passing you the mic, kicking down the door, cutting the red tape, all that. You are joining the party, so get your uh, questions into the live chat right now for the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Brake, to make sure we get to those as efficiently, as effective as possible. It's kind of a first-come, first-served system we got going here, so get those in right now. Helps us help you roll, party, roll. Transfer portal intel. We got to talk about it. A lot of big names are floating around there, whether they're committed or uncommitted. It's never totally a set in stone kind of thing. Austin Reed, he was in the portal. Sounds like he's going to take his name out of the portal. That's a top five quarterback from Western Kentucky. 
that I thought made a lot of sense going to Florida. There was some smoke around him going to Louisville. Now has made it clear or at least announced that he is going to return to Western Kentucky. So Nick Brake, very happy to have his QB1 back at the previous school he was at. Obviously, Austin Reed also transferred from West Florida, the D2 level up to the D1 level. But Austin Reed is a power five caliber quarterback that will be staying home. Big, big time for the Hilltoppers. Let's take a look at the committed players. Since we last talked, Jaheim Bell committed from South Carolina to Florida State. Now, he's listed as a tight end. He did just about everything for South Carolina last year. Was tight end, lined up at receiver, lined up at running back, had 75 carries on the year. Folks, anytime you can turn around and hand the ball to a guy who is listed as a tight end, that's a really special kind of player right there. Also at 25 receptions, it sounds like the reason for him leaving South Carolina had a couple of things to do with NIL, in addition to the inconsistency around him. His offensive coordinator left. He had a bunch of different guys playing quarterback when he was at South Carolina. He wants some stability, and Florida State is going to give that to him. Florida State was a place he looked at at a high school, but now with the position this program is in, and the upward trend they're at, quite honestly, as opposed to where they were at when he came out of high school, was a big reason for him deciding to go to Tallahassee. So Florida State got a player in Jaheim Bell. Theo Weiss Jr., a guy that a lot of you Oklahoma fans are familiar with, he was someone that they had really big expectations for coming into this year, was a five-star out of high school, had 15-plus yards reception on the career, so he's explosive. He's got about six foot three, 200 pounds frame, so he's got that size advantage for you if you want to throw the jump ball or you want to try and have him out on the perimeter block for a bubble screen. Like He's got a lot of physical gifts. It never totally clicked at Oklahoma, whether it was a system thing, whether it was a him being able to stay healthy thing. But now you pair him up with another five-star talent in Luther Burden, and we'll see what happens here. I don't know. Those are two really talented players to have in your receiver room. It likely will take away the ability for defenses to just double cover Weiss or double cover Burden. So I think you're going to see, as a result, the Missouri offense get better. And I think you're going to see both those guys have really strong seasons in 2023. But Theo Weiss Jr., a very talented prospect who I think is going to do some really good things at Missouri in the SEC. So a big get for the Tigers. Really quickly, if you have not yet subscribed to the channel, we'd love to have you at the party. It's portal season. Guess what? College football doesn't take a break. We don't either here on this program. So make sure you're locked in. Every single thing that you know and love about college football, it happens here every single day. Like I mentioned, we're live on Tuesday. We're live on Thursday. One Central, two Eastern roll party. Also, follow me on the socials at JD Paquel on Twitter and on Instagram. One more guy that was in the uncommitted part of this segment before last night, Dason McCullough, excuse me, Dasan McCullough just committed from Indiana to Oklahoma, made the switch, made the transfer portal. He's a guy that was the number 12 player in the entire portal rankings. He's now the, or excuse me, he was also the number one edge. He is now headed to Norman. A big part of his recruitment had to do with his dad's relationship with Jay Valai, who's the co-DC at Oklahoma. And for Dason McCullough, or excuse me, for Dasan McCullough, the relationship with Brent Venables and his staff at a high school had a big you know, relational aspect to it and his commitment getting him to Norman. But the thing with him is he is only going to get better. Like so much excitement around him out of high school. And, you know, he was a DB converted to the front seven because of his frame and what he's going to be able to do there. But he's only going to get better as he continues to live in a college weight room, gets on that college meal plan. Like he's going to progress a lot physically as well as adjusting to the college game at that position to where his upside is tremendous. I mean, I said it before in one of our earlier videos we did on this channel, but he's someone who I think could 1,000% be a game breaker. 6'5", 228, has a ridiculous three-cone drill. You can't teach big, you can't teach fast. And Desan McCullough is the caliber of player, the mold rather, of the edge defender to which this game is continuing to trend towards. Like, you no longer are able to just play, you know, your 300-pound defensive ends, put their hand in the dirt. You now have to be able to cover, have to be able to peel off and run with the running back. Desan McCullough has the skill set to both rush the passer as well as play coverage for you. So a huge gift for the Oklahoma Sooners, Desan McCullough making a decision last night. And uh, also, a little two-for-one deal for the Sooners. They also got his brother, who's a four-star safety, Day McCullough. 
not a bad day for Brent Venables and company. So that's kind of the uncommitted, excuse me, the committed list rather within the transfer portal. Let's take a look at some of these uncommitted guys. JoJo Earl, receiver from Alabama. There's a ton of smoke right now at the time of us being live here for him to go to TCU. Took a visit there, went to high school 18 miles from the campus. He is the number 23 pl overall player in the transfer portal, number seven wide receiver. JoJo Earl, just your typical slot guy, 5'10", 170 pounds. A lot of the buzz going into the year for JoJo Earl was that he was going to be the guy to kind of step up after you lose, you know, John Mechie and Jamison Williams. I think JoJo Earl in the right system could absolutely pop off. And Sonny Dykes, with how much he likes to throw the football and how much those receivers get involved, JoJo Earl is a name to watch if he does go to TCU. And if he ends up in that system, I think he's a guy that could really pop on a national scale this coming season. So JoJo Earl, again, not, not committed yet, but a lot of buzz around him ending up in Fort Worth at TCU. Marshawn Lloyd is another guy that's uncommitted, was previously at South Carolina. The buzz around him, and this is not confirmed, but just from what I've heard talking to people that cover that team relatively closely, he's testing the NIL market. Now, I don't know if that means he's going to jump in and jump back out if nothing ends up going his way, but you would have to imagine for a guy like Marshawn Lloyd had a really productive this past season without consistent offensive line play, just lost his offensive coordinator as well with Marcus Satterfield going to Nebraska. So we'll see what happens there. But I think for him, NIL has a factor with it and being in a place with consistent variables around him as he obviously has NFL aspirations, you would think that's probably on the top of his list for wherever he ends up next. But Marshawn Lloyd, a big time player, a guy who I think, like I said, in the right system could be a, a high dividend guy for you. But in the day and age of NIL, that package appears to be important to him wherever he ends up next. Again, just rumors, not confirmed, but that's the way it sounds from where I'm sitting. Grayson McCall, a guy we're going to talk about later in this program as well. He's jumped in the portal. Now, he's going to play in the bowl game, but Grayson McCall, a guy that's played a ton of football, over 30 games under his belt. His stats to date are somewhere in the range of like 70-plus touchdowns, 16 rushing touchdowns, only eight interceptions. 70% completion percentage, so he's really efficient with where he goes with the football. Played a lot of college football, so wherever he ends up, he's an instant contributor. He's reached out to Auburn, and the reason why that's interesting, typically when you jump in the portal, you would think it's the other way around. He's reached out to Hugh Freeze, is interested in being a Tiger, so keep an eye on that one. But Grayson McCall, a guy who is, like I said, immediate impact guy could help a lot of these different programs that are looking for a quarterback Auburn being one of them so we'll keep an eye on where he ends up at but he's currently one of the most sought after quarterbacks you would think in the transfer portal so uh, excited to see where he ends up so to recap at Jaheim Bell at Florida State Theo Weiss Jr. is committed to Missouri uh, excuse me Jason McCullough Desan McCullough rather is committed to Oklahoma Marshawn Lloyd Grayson McCall Jojo Earl all still looking for places to play. Devin Leary, I should mention also, the number one quarterback right now in the transfer portal. He's taken a visit to Kentucky. We'll see what happens there, but that would make sense with the NFL pedigree of Liam Cohen, the returning offensive coordinator for Kentucky. You would think if you're Devin Leary, you're hoping to improve your draft stock wherever you end up next. Why not go somewhere where you know you're going to be in a, an NFL kind of system that translates well? So keep an eye on that. As I said, he's visiting but a lot, a lot happening in the portal. And I promise you, we will keep you locked in and loaded for every single thing going on in the portal. This thing is just getting started, all right? Hold on tight. Keep an eye on your roster. Now, a fan favorite among the Hard Count program. He is the, the man for all things, not just Deion Sanders recruiting, but just recruiting in general. National on three recruiting analyst, Welcome to the program once again, Josh Newberg. Josh, how we doing, my guy? How's everything sitting on your end? Oh, really busy. Great to be on the hard count, but uh, this run-up to signing day should be something special. I was going to say, man, you're keeping the phone juiced up right now, I'd imagine. Like, like <laughs> always always having the ringer on, never do not disturb. Like, are you getting much sleep these days, or what's that looking like? Taking phone calls sitting next to my outlet as my cell phone's plugged in, and I'm just trying to catch a charge, but still use the phone. Those are the days that we're dealing with right now. Got to do what you got to do. Desperate times for desperate measures, full-on sprint mode for Josh Newberg and the entire on three recruiting team. Josh, let's start with this. 
Hashtag Dante to LA right. is trending on Twitter the other day. And Dante Moore, a guy who was obviously committed to Oregon for a long period of time here, the offensive coordinator for Oregon, Kenny Dillingham, takes the head coaching job at Arizona State. Walk me through how much smoke you believe there is behind this UCLA visit for Dante Moore. Well, he was there on an official visit to go visit with Flip Kelly. I mean, Chip Kelly. <laughs> like, this is 2010. I don't know. UCLA just comes out of nowhere. Five-star quarterback out of the Detroit area has been committed to Oregon since July. Now, we're a week from signing day. And like you mentioned, Kenny Dillingham did leave the offensive coordinator that was the primary recruiter on Dante Moore. He is at Arizona State, but Arizona State is not in contention. It looks like UCLA has made a significant offer. This is a NIL battle that we're dealing with. This is a new day and age of college football. I spoke with recruiting director for On3, Chad Simmons, and Chad is watching to see if Dante Moore takes another visit this weekend. There's some possibility, there's some talk of maybe potentially Ohio State, but I'll tell you what, Oregon is the one that's working really hard to get him back on campus because that will be mightily important. If he visits Oregon this weekend, I really like the Ducks' chances of keeping him signed. If he goes anywhere other than Eugene, Oregon, man, are, is Dan Lanning gonna be sweating it out come signing day. And if I'm an Oregon Duck fan, Dante Moore's from the state of Michigan, right? Like, it's not like he's just taking a drive up the highway to get to UCLA. Like, he's jumping on a flight, packing a lot of clothes, and making this effort to get to Westwood for that kind of visit. So that's the thing that would make me nervous. But like you said, the day and age of the NIL packages being a very real factor in the recruiting cycle for high schoolers, but also the transfer portal. So that's the world we're living in right now, Josh. But going back to that whole topic of, you know, who could flip? Are there some other names that you're watching as signing day is very quickly approaching? Yeah, there's a few, including the number one defensive lineman in America who is committed to Texas A&M. A&M struggled mightily this season on the football field, but Jimbo does what Jimbo does in the offseason, which is recruit. Now, five-star plus lineman David Hicks is committed to the Aggies and has been for some time, but he's looking around. He was in Oregon last weekend. He's been to Oklahoma. The two O's are where I'm looking at he could flip. It's going to be a big battle down the stretch. We'll see if Jimbo can hang on. Uh, another one that I'm watching, Notre Dame five-star commitment Peyton Bowen, also out of the state of Texas. He's a safety. He's also a great return man instant impact player wherever he goes on the college level. He is Notre Dame's only five-star commitment and the Sharks are circling. Texas is involved, Oklahoma's involved, Texas A&M is involved. So we'll see if Notre Dame can hang on. And if they don't, I think it's critical that they do hang on to Peyton Bowen because they are currently sitting at number three overall in the on three consensus team rankings. And I think a loss of Peyton Bowen could bounce them out of the top five. And Josh, something that you and I talked about on the inside scoop, Peyton Bowen, a guy who has been pretty open about his recruiting and saying like, yeah, I got to make a final decision. Meaning even though he's committed, a final decision has yet to be made. So I love those picks in terms of flip watch. I think it's super fascinating and something you and I talked about in the office today in home visits. The official visits get all the buzz because you got the photo shoots and they make headlines and they read a little bit easier than an in-home visit. Walk the people through at home just how impactful this week is in terms of coaching staffs going to these recruits' homes and having a conversation with them about why they should commit to X, Y, and Z school. It's insanity right now because coming up this weekend will be the final official visit weekend in college football before the dead period begins and then you got signing day next Wednesday. So all these coaches are out on the road right now. They're all going to return to campus on Friday. So you're jam packing in-home visits from Sunday night until Thursday night. And there's a little strategy involved, of course. The early week visits, coaches are going to go set out to try to see their commitments, guys that they can spend a good amount of time with, just reassure them of their decision, and then expect them to sign on signing day. Now, you save those late week visits for those critical remaining uncommitted targets, and everybody is doing the dance to get in last because you better believe you want that last face-to-face -face contact with some of these top recruits as they head into the dead period. So this week is chock full of coaches doing in-home visits with big-time recruits.
recency bias. It's kind of funny. It's like an audition, right? Of like, hey, who do you remember most recently having a good impression? Who felt like they were family when they were in the home? And that's another piece of this, Josh. There's a lot of talk about the coaches being on the road and it's a wear and tear for the kids. For these families, a lot of these meals that are being prepared for the in-home visits, that takes a wear and tear on the families too. I remember for my in-home visits, it was a lot of, hey, we're getting Chick-fil-A. What do you want? Like it that, was, that take, was how it went about it. It could take some wear and tear on these coaches too. Imagine if some of these meals probably are not that good. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to go five for five on right. those in-home visit meals. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. It takes a wear and tear on everybody in that, but all about making sure you land the right signature on signing day. Speaking of signing day, Keon Keeley made his decision. He's going to roll with the tide, going to be in Tuscaloosa for his foreseeable future in terms of playing college football. What's the, the moving and shaking that you could see potentially happen within the top five? So you got Georgia at number two, Notre Dame at three, Ohio State four, and Texas at five. I think there's a good chance that when all the dust settles on National Signing Day, we don't even see Notre Dame in the top three, mm. especially or in the top five, especially if they lose Peyton Bowen. If they lose Peyton Bowen, get them out of the top five. I think LSU, I think maybe even on Miami, Oklahoma, or Florida could sneak in that bottom tier of the top five. But number one, I agree with you. I think it's pretty much locked up at this point, barring something dramatic happening. Now, there is plenty of firepower left on the board, especially for Georgia and Ohio State. Five-star defensive, uh, five-star edge rusher, Damon Wilson out of Venice, Florida, is going to make his decision on signing day. That's a huge swing. There's a couple others out there, and I think that this could provide some movement on National Signing Day. And Josh, this is a question that we didn't really talk about in the office, but I'm sitting here hearing you say all this about Notre Dame and how they're potentially going to fall. And it's crazy because during the summer, like Notre Dame was the hot school, right? Like Marcus Freeman was making them cool again. They got these cool new visit pictures with kids taking, you know, recruit visits or recruit photos rather of them on the gold throne. Why have they cooled off so much in your opinion? Is it the on-field product? Is it something within the staff? Why is Notre Dame starting to fade here down the stretch in your mind? The games got played mainly. Hmm. Once hmm. the games got played, and especially that loss to Marshall. Now I know Notre Dame got it back together at the end, and I, I think that's why they are still a top five team. I think that if they would have continued that spiral that it looked like they were in in the first quarter of the season, this class could have fallen apart. Hmm. So they've done a good job, uh, but because of the slow start, I feel like Notre Dame is heading into this final week a little bit on the defensive rather than the offensive, like you see teams like Alabama, Georgia, Texas. So I think that Notre Dame did salvage what they had. They were the hot team, no doubt about it, throughout the offseason. But the games got played, and they're, they're a little bit on the defensive as we head into signing day. No, it makes complete sense because you have to hold on to those recruits throughout the duration of a season. And Marcus Freeman, in his first year as being a head coach at a program like Notre Dame, it's a lot of pressure to hold on to the kind of class that he has, but still would be a great year for Notre Dame on the recruiting trail. And I think Marcus Freeman's going to get that thing headed to the right spot that they want to be at in terms of being at the top tier in the college football landscape. But you know who's still out there, Josh? Who? Coach Prime. Oh, he's coming. He's still out there. He's coming, and he's a guy who we already saw flip the number one player in the country a season ago on signing day. And Travis Hunter, being a Florida State guy, not so fast, my friend, switches the hat. He's Jackson State and puts pen to paper. I'll just throw it like this. Over under one and a half guys that Deion Sanders flips on signing day, Josh. Give me the over. I'm always taking the over, but when it comes to Deion Sanders and making some flips, one and a half, give me the over on that one. I think that, you know, like we said, there's proof of concept. Last year, there was whispers. People were saying, oh, could Deion do this? Could Deion do that? Well, guess what Deion did? He flipped five-star Travis Hunter from Florida State. He goes out and lands Kevin Coleman when he had offers from FSU, Miami, amongst others. He is what everybody feared when those whispers were happening last year well they've gotten a little bit louder this year because Deion Sanders is now a power five coach with a real platform at the highest level and I think he's going to do some damage on signing day there's going to be schools out there that think right now that are sitting in their war rooms right now penciling in guys that they know are going to be in their class and there's going to be some schools that are sorely disappointed when Deion Sanders comes to town and steals their five stars we'll see if it happens I'm not guaranteeing it, but I'm taking your over, J.D. Some Louis luggage headed from Jackson State with him, but some Louis luggage he's going to acquire 
on the recruiting trail. Coach Prime on the hunt. Nobody is safe. I said it. He's like the transfer portals version of Thanos. He right. is inevitable. So a lot of folks hanging on to who they assume they will get a signature from on signing day. But Coach Prime, he's coming. Josh, I want to send you out of here with this. We're grateful for your time. The NIL game is sort of new to college football. I mean, we just said a year ago, hey, it's cool. NIL is a thing now. Go ahead and, and pay players for the name, image, and likeness. It's a very real thing on the recruiting trail. Mm -hmm. What percent of these commitments are, I, I want to make sure I ask this right, the right way, how much is NIL involved in these kids' recruitment? If not NIL directly in their pockets, the idea or the opportunity for earning money once you get on campus is extremely important. And I think as you look at tiers, right, you got top 50, you got top 100, you got top 200, you got top 300, and then the, you kind of have the rest. I think as you go higher in the elite group of recruits, I think NIL comes into play more and more. There's also certain positions where it's going to come into play more and more, like the quarterback position. So we're seeing we're seeing it all happen real time. What it all turns out to be, I don't know. I think that there's going to be some sort of settling down period when it comes to NIL. But right now, heading into this 2023 signing day, I think that is the biggest story that we're going to be following. It's wild. It's wild to juxtapose today's college football mm -hmm. and the signing day that we're about to have with the five years ago signing day and now the structure with NIL packages being in play. And it's absolutely wild. But Josh, appreciate you so much coming on, dropping some knowledge. Folks, Josh and I are going to be doing some more content here, some more live content in the very near future. So make sure you're subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel. Make sure you got the bell notifications pushed because we got a lot to get into as signing day is very, very quickly approaching. Josh, appreciate you, my man. We'll have you on again real, real soon and uh, keep the phone charged. All right. Appreciate you guys. Roll party. <laughs> The man, the myth, the legend, Josh Newberg. If you have not already followed him on Twitter, would encourage you to do so. Also, he has his own program on the On3 YouTube channel, The Inside Scoop, which I have been fortunate enough to be able to ride shotgun for the last couple of episodes. I'm telling you, transfer portal season, turning up the heat. Recruiting season, down to the final sprint. Make sure you're locked in with us. As Josh says, make sure you're locked in and clocked in. All right, very, very important here on the On3 YouTube channel. Fired up to have you along for the ride. One cat who put his name in the portal, or is going to put his name in the portal, rather, Grayson McCall. Coastal Carolina quarterback has had a very, very successful career during his time in Conway. And 70% completion percentage, 78 touchdowns through the air, only eight interceptions. He's run for another 16 throughout his career. The interesting part about Grayson McCall right now, per Auburn Live, our On3 Auburn fan site, he reached out to Auburn about some, you know, potential to to be a part of the program now i don't know what that conversation entailed all that we know or all that's been reported rather is that he reached out to hugh freeze and that's very interesting because hugh freeze is in a position in year one where i personally believe he needs to revamp that program through the portal quick fast in a hurry the whole brian harson situation kind of sprung a leak in the program in terms of recruiting because if i'm a kid at the high school level you want me to commit to your school when it has been very public. You've tried to get rid of that head coach, meaning the guy that I may commit to may not be there when I get to campus. Like, that's a very tough thing to ask of a high school recruit. So, needless to say, recruiting kind of went downhill. The personnel wasn't great in-house. It's not great in-house currently, so you need to revamp via the portal. So the conversation I want to have right now is, how would Grayson McCall be a fit at Auburn? The first thing that I'm looking at, the scheme. Because so much within the transfer portal, some of these guys that jump in the portal, the reason they're there in the first place is scheme. Hey, I wasn't in position to succeed at my previous school. Not the case for Grayson McCall, but I promise you, he's looking for a schematic fit wherever he ends up going next. Sounds like he believes there's a fit there with him and Hugh Freeze. Phil Montgomery is the recently hired offensive coordinator for Auburn, and his offense is very much based on pressure points for the defense. They want to spread you out similar to Tennessee. They want to put you all the way out to the sideline and make those run support defenders, whether it's an you know, overhang linebacker or a safety roll down. We want to make him choose. So why does that fit for Grayson McCall? Well, it doesn't require you to have some sort of cannon for him. What it does require you to do, though, be a good decision maker, which he is, evidently, only eight interceptions, so a low turnover guy, and be able to put the ball where your receiver can get it. 
Just get it to our guys in space and let them work. 70% completion percentage. The ball don't really touch the ground when Grayson McCall is playing quarterback. So in that sense, it would be a very much, you know, a, a very, uh, it's, it's a marriage that makes sense to me, to not put it too complicated. I think it makes a lot of sense with his skill set. And also Hugh Freeze has had a successful career to this point in large part due to what your dual threat quarterbacks can do. Guys like Malik Willis, guys like Caden Salter this past year at Liberty. We're going to talk about that more in just a second, but I think just from a schematics perspective, Grayson McCall would fit the bill for you. Really quickly, if you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, we would love to have you here. The transfer portal, it shows no mercy. It's always popping off day and night. We got you covered here on the On3 YouTube channel, okay? So make sure you're locked in with us. We're going to take care of you. Also, follow me on the socials at JD Piquel on Twitter and on Instagram. A lot of fun interaction to be had there. Would love to have you at that party as well. Grayson McCall would also infuse a ton of experience into this offense. It's not a knock on Robbie Ashford. I think Robbie Ashford is a phenomenal talent. I would love for him to be able to sit behind someone like Grayson McCall who has some experience and learn from him. Because think about where you're at right now if you're Auburn. In some ways, it's kind of a delicate situation. To put a metaphor to it, the car isn't necessarily souped up. It's got a little bit of, you know, some potential to have a flat tire now and then. It doesn't have a ton of speed. It doesn't have a ton of horsepower. So who do you want driving the car? Do you want someone who just got their license, like Robbie Ashford, who has one season under his belt? Or do you want someone with a little more experience driving a car? 30-plus games under their belt. Has shown they're a good decision maker. Has shown they're able to get the ball to the players to make, you know, plays in space. Who's a proven winner? I think that's Grayson McCall. And so with the, the nature of their roster right now, I think Grayson McCall could be kind of a steady hand for them. Would add a lot of stability to that roster, a lot of stability to that offense. And to make matters even worse for Auburn right now, and why I think Grayson McCall would help you, he's a dual threat in every sense of the word. 9% of Auburn's offensive snaps this past year resulted in a sack. I don't think it's rocket science to tell you that's not very good. 112th in the country in terms of their sack ratio to their snaps, which is, which is not something you get excited about. So with that being said, a guy like Grayson McCall, who's experienced and, and you know, revved up to the college game, that makes sense. But his dual threat ability, that would be in a lot of ways the great equalizer for this Auburn offense. The way I like to put it, I think that's the eraser. The offensive line, I think, is going to be able to take steps forward, whether it's developing the guys you have in-house or whether it's hitting the portal and getting some other guys that can play today. But having a guy who can make plays with his feet and evade pressure, and if your left guard misses a block, that's okay. Grayson McCall can get out of there, keep his eyes downfield, and throw a pass. That might kind of be the situation you have this coming year in Auburn, Alabama. And I think a great comp if you want to look at places to – you know, compared to the terms of situation right now at Auburn is LSU. Think about how consistently Jaden Daniels turned what would have been a four-yard loss into a first down. That's what I think Grayson McCall could bring to the table. I'm not saying Grayson McCall is Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is a superior athlete. But with what Grayson McCall brings from a dual threat perspective, mixed with his, mixed with his experience, that would give me a lot of excitement if I'm an Auburn fan. So we'll see what happens there. Again, nothing is confirmed. Nothing is you know, being reported in terms of mutual interest. But Grayson McCall has reached out to Auburn, and I think it's a really good fit for reasons I already mentioned. So keep an eye on that. But Grayson McCall to Auburn has a nice ring to it. Roll, party, roll. Folks, we are so glad to have you here. We do so much interaction on this channel. That's what makes this special, the community. That's why we love college football, because of the people. So if you have a question, if you want to join the party, you want to contribute to this whole thing we got going right now, jump in the live chat. Nick Brake, Keeper of the Q, is going to get to it. All right? So get those questions in right now. Going to get to them in just a few short minutes. And uh, the quicker you get those in, the more efficiently we can answer them, if that makes sense. So a lot of first-year coaches that have just taken over some jobs late November, early December. A lot of guys that are now trying to get adjusted, trying to get acclimated to their new role. Within a few short weeks, how are they doing? I want to give you just one word to kind of sum up how they've done so far to this point in the job. Now, I haven't really had any games, obviously, as the head coach of their new schools. But nonetheless, I think we need to check in on them and take a pulse 
of their entire situation. I got Matt Rule at Nebraska here. Got Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Deion Sanders at Colorado. Going to check in on him and tell you what we think about that. Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. The four names I'm going to break down for you. Let's start with Matt Rule. The one word I would use to describe Matt Rule's time at Nebraska to this point so far is process. Now, Matt Rule is a coach that I got to be in his program for a very short amount of time at Baylor, and process, process, process is what he preaches, and that is the same thing you're going to get from him to this point. Five commits so far, nobody super flashy, no five stars, mostly what we call OKGs, meaning our kind of guys. Coaches in the football world just love acronyms. I don't know what it is, but that's kind of the, the player they're getting right now, and they're going to have a lot of those kind of guys, I believe, on signing day when it's all said and done. My thought for them and kind of how Matt Rule has done things is they're going to get their kind of guys in-house and develop them. We'll take the three-star, turn them into a second-round NFL draft pick. We'll take the you know fast wide receiver who we can add some weight to and we can scheme up correctly and get him into the college weight room. Like That's the kind of guy they're happy to take and develop and then win with. And in the Big Ten West, Quite frankly, that's all you need. If you can out-develop and out-evaluate, you have a chance to win that side of the conference. Now, going away with divisions here pretty soon, so they better do that quick, fast, and in a hurry. But our kind of guys is who Matt Rule is going after, and they've done a pretty good job of it so far. Again, five commits like I had already mentioned. Keep an eye on them to be a player in the portal. Similar to what I said about OKGs, I still think they'll go after their kind of guys in the portal, but just keep an eye on them to be a player because I think Matt Rule, with the world he comes from, most recently being with the Carolina Panthers, he's able to acquire talent effectively as well. So just keep an eye on that. Now, in terms of his staff, a lot of familiar faces. Marcus Satterfield was a tight end coach for him at Baylor. He's now going to be the offensive coordinator. He was previously the offensive coordinator at South Carolina, responsible for a lot of the success they had with Spencer Rattler. Kind of mixed opinions among the South Carolina crowd, but familiar face, sticking to his process, sticking with his guys. That's who he's got at OC. Now, Corey Campbell was an assistant strength coach for him at Baylor, and he is now the head strength coach for Nebraska. And those of you that know Nebraska football, strength conditioning, that is kind of the calling card for who they want to be. They're going to be tough, they're going to be physical, and it all starts in the weight room. Now, quick story on Corey Campbell. When I was at Baylor, for the short amount of time that I was, he was my coach in the rack. For those of you unfamiliar, you have different coaches assigned to the different stations throughout the weight room. I mean, there's probably upwards of 20 different racks across the weight room. Corey Campbell was my coach. To give you the kind of vibe that Corey Campbell brings to a program, it's max squat day. I'm feeling good. Get under the bar, hit a new PR. I'm juiced. Everyone around me is juiced. I'm feeling good. Corey Campbell thought that it looked a little bit too light for his liking. So while everybody's going crazy around me, he whispers in my ear, how about you put some weight on the bar? Made the hair on the back of my neck stand up, felt challenged, was able to put more weight on the bar, do better. Here's the bottom line. Corey Campbell is going to get the best out of that roster. He's going to push them, and that's the kind of energy that he's bringing to Nebraska. So I'm excited to see what they look like in game one, because I promise you, it will not be the same kind of product they had on the field a year ago. So for Matt Rule, for that staff, it's all about process. It's not going to look flashy this offseason. It's just not. I promise you, he's fine with that. Trust the process because that's what's happening right now in Lincoln, Nebraska. If you're out of the channel, we want you at the party. No time like the present. Coaching hires, transfer portal, recruiting season, games still to be played. We want you at the party. College football doesn't take a break. Neither do we on this program. Make sure you're locked in. Make sure you're subscribed with us. Also, follow me on the socials at JD Pakel on Twitter and on Instagram. Hugh Freeze was hired by Auburn November 29th. And the best verbiage I could put to Hugh Freeze being hired is getting aligned. You know when you go to the chiropractor, you're sore, you're not feeling great. Next thing you know, chiropractor puts you in some sort of headlock or chest hold, whatever it is, and just snaps everything back into place. It makes a wild sound. It doesn't feel good for the first day to two days. But after that, you're a new person. You feel world's better. That's what I think they're doing right now at Auburn with Hugh Freeze. They're getting aligned. Got a defensive coordinator in Ron Roberts from Baylor, who had a really great season in 2021, not so much in 2022. They lost a lot of crucial personnel. But I want to tell a story about Ron Roberts and how highly respected he is across the college football landscape. I was watching Baylor's bowl game a season ago against Ole Miss, 
And I tweeted out, hey, Dave Aranda had time to prepare for this game, and that's the reason why they're playing so well defensively. How a Power 5 head coach then see that tweet and respond to me and say, this is all Ron Roberts. And it wasn't a shot at Dave Aranda. It wasn't anything against Dave Aranda. I'm sure everybody thinks just as highly about Dave Aranda as I'm sure the public does. Dude's a genius. But Ron Roberts is a guy who has been around the game a long time, has had a lot of success, not so much this past season, but I think he's exactly what they need at Auburn. So excited to see what he does. Then Phil Montgomery, his kind of offense is a style that creates mismatches. And the way they spread you out and how to kind of a balanced attack, they want to attack open areas of the field. It's all operated on real estate, creating pressure points within the defense. Linebacker can't cover a receiver and play the run. Why? Because our splits are so wide and you're going to have problems covering 30 yards of grass for one man. It's too much. So what does that do for an offense? What's the luxury there? Well, you're able to get more out of less. It's not a knock on the current roster at Auburn. But the fact of the matter is, they are still catching up. They're behind the eight ball personnel-wise. I think they're going to be a player in the transfer portal because of the NIL resources they have there and the eye for talent that Hugh Freeze has. I think it's something that people are going to want to come and be a part of as evidence that Grayson McCall has already reached out to Auburn. So keep an eye on that, but I think they're currently getting aligned. I wouldn't be surprised if recruiting starts to pick up a little bit later in the year. Like keep an eye on their February signing day and see what happens there. But right now, Auburn and Hugh Freeze just getting aligned. Now, time to talk about everybody's favorite head coach, Deion Sanders at Colorado. The best word I could put to his first few weeks there, became the head coach December 3rd, boom. Like, that's what it's been so far for Deion Sanders in Boulder, Colorado. It has been an explosion from the viral team meeting and him walking in saying, you know what, I'm bringing my Louis luggage. That's how we're going to get down here. I'm bringing my guys here. We're going to do things a different way. I'm resetting the standard for everybody in this room. If you're not with it, get out. Like, that kind of an entrance obviously creates a little bit of attention. And I promise you, Coach Prime is just fine with that. He's been hitting the transfer portal hard as well. Um, or excuse me, will hit the transfer portal hard as well. Been hitting the recruiting trail right now pretty hard. Five commits so far. Got an enormous flip from one of the fastest running backs in the class, Dylan Edwards. Was committed to Notre Dame. Gets an offer from Coach Prime and company. Says, you know what? I think I want to be a part of what he's building there. Sean Lewis is the former Kent State head coach. He's going to be his offensive coordinator. Very creative is the word that people use to describe him in terms of his offensive philosophy, so they're going to be fun to watch there. Charles Kelly, former safeties coach at Alabama, an elite recruiter responsible for some big-time guys getting them to Tuscaloosa. He's going to be the defensive coordinator. So, so far, if you're looking at just pieces they're getting onto their staff, there's a lot of excitement there. Keep an eye on what Coach Prime is doing. The most dangerous thing for folks, and I've said this before on this program, is if Deion Sanders gets proof of concept at the Power 5 level. At that point, I think it's just a bad deal for everybody else because we've seen it at Jackson State. We've seen him have success there at the FCS level. But if you're holding your breath at all, it's because, well, what's he going to do when he gets to the Pac-12? What's he going to do against better competition? If he proves, hey, we can, we can be successful with how I do things here. I promise you, my, my formula, my methods, it works just fine. If they win, dare I say, nine games this coming year, we're going to have a whole other conversation this time next year about the transfer portal and Coach Prime. But so far, in just the first week and a half to two weeks for Coach Prime, the word I would use to describe it, boom. Keep an eye on that. Luke Fickle out Wisconsin was hired November 27th. And it's something that's a little bit more of a slow build, in my opinion. If you build it, they will come. That's how I describe his time so far. A great hire, getting Phil Longo from North Carolina to be his offensive coordinator, a unit that put up 33 points a game last season at North Carolina, so they're going to be a little bit of a different-looking Wisconsin program. How much do we know about Wisconsin being you know, three fullbacks on the field, three tight ends on the field kind of program? They're building it. Now you lost Jim Leonard. He's going to leave after the bowl game. At first, looked like he was going to stay. A guy that coaches and players love, Players had an outpouring of support for him on Twitter after Luke Fickle was hired. So it's going to be something that I think is a little bit more of a push up the hill right now in terms of getting that ball to the top. But once it starts going downhill, Luke Fickle knows how to win. He knows how to install structure. So just wait. Just wait on this one. It doesn't have all the flashy headlines that some of these other coaches have, but keep an eye on Luke Fickle. Keep an eye on Wisconsin. His process works. 
and it's proven that it works just fine. So for Matt Rule, installing his process, Hugh Freeze and company in Auburn, they're just getting a line. Deion Sanders in Colorado making an entrance, and I promise you, talent acquisition will be a department that they absolutely knock it out of the park. And right now, talent acquisition is a way to win football games at the college football level. Luke Fickle in Wisconsin, a slower build. It's an installation process, but if you build it, which is how we're describing his time so far, I promise you the right players and the right coaches will soon be involved. So that's our thoughts there on the first-year head coaches. Only a few weeks into it, we're going to withhold judgment, wait till they start playing some games. But so far, a lot of movement, a lot of excitement across those coaches. So if you haven't yet gotten in your questions to Nick Brake, keeper of the queue, now's the time. One more segment for you. We're going to go to your questions, break it all down. Should have a whole lot of fun. The Peach Bowl is right around the corner. Georgia headed to what is essentially a home game with some air conditioning and a roof. Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Just backed on into the playoffs. I promise you they're making no apologies for being there. In a game like this, it's not always the star players that have the game of their life. I mean, sometimes you do see that. I mean, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. You've heard that nursery rhyme before. But in games like this, when you double cover the top wide receiver or where you try to take away the run game or you try to take away their fastball, a lot of the times it's the X factors in these sort of games that step up in a big way. We broke this same kind of game down in Ohio State, Michigan, told you the X factors. I'm just going to keep it a buck. We nailed it. Cornelius Johnson had a day. That was the big X factor that we had. So I think you'll want to make sure you're locked in for this one. A.D. Mitchell is my first X factor in this game. He's the receiver at Georgia. Coming into the year, they thought he might kind of be their alpha dog, kind of be their go-to wide receiver outside of Brock Bowers on the outside. And he brings some 50-50 possibilities for you. What I mean by that is there's been multiple occasions against Oregon to open the year, against Alabama to end last year in the national title game, where Stetson Bennett drops back, puts the ball in the air, and you see A.D. Mitchell go full sports center, you got Moss kind of mode, and just take that defensive back to school because he scored a touchdown on him. Like, that's the kind of potential now that you have at wide receiver. You still have weapons in Brock Bowers. You still have weapons in Ladd McConkey and Darnell Washington. But if A.D. Mitchell is able to be fully healthy, fully in sync with Stetson Bennett, that adds a whole new layer to this offense. Even more so, adds a whole other problem to the Ohio State to-do list. And the more and more problems you have on that to-do list, the less efficiently and more, most, least effectively, rather, you can answer all those and get all those done. So A.D. Mitchell, a guy to watch in this game. And also, by the way, Ohio State's corner play, it's been inconsistent. Hasn't been bad throughout the year, but they've given up 378 the last two games. So they've got their work cut out for them. I think A.D. Mitchell could be a guy that you see pop in a big way in this game with Brock Bowers likely seeing a lot of defensive attention as well as Darnell Washington. So keep an eye on A.D. Mitchell as he gets back in his bag for the Georgia Bulldogs. For Ohio State, Tommy Eichenberg, linebacker, is another X factor. He's going to have his work cut out for them. And the reason why I think he's an X factor is because of what he will be asked to do by this Ohio State defense. You're going to ask him to fill the run. So tackle Kenny McIntosh, tack, tackle Dejan Edwards, tackle Milton. But he's also going to have to help in the, the pass game as well. Going to have to be able to keep the underneath routes more or less taken care of, if that makes sense. Because there's a lot of dink and dunk they like to do to Brock Bowers and to Darnell Washington. And you know who's responsibility that is then the linebackers and Tommy Eichenberg being the linebacker or the lead linebacker rather for Ohio State he's going to have to have a really solid game because here's what you want to avoid for Ohio State what you would want to avoid is Georgia starts running the football and they start breaking off gains four yards here five yards there six yards there what happens then when Georgia starts rolling on the ground well then you have to allocate more resources you have to bring the safety down you have to Add in another linebacker, whatever it is. You have to be able to stack that box a little bit more. So when that happens, you have less people playing in the secondary to stop the big play. And if Georgia starts hitting big plays in the pass game, it's going to be tough to keep pace at that point. Okay? So how do you keep from having to allocate extra resources? Tommy Eichenberg, feel quick, fast, in a hurry. Make the stops and force it to be a manageable, or excuse me, a reasonable down and distance for the Ohio State defense 
in terms of what they can play. So Tommy Eichenberg, absolutely an X factor in this kind of game. If you have not yet subscribed, we want you at the party. Ohio State fans, Georgia fans, a lot of you joined us this year. We're so glad you're here. If you haven't yet joined the party, now is the time. Water's fine. Jump on in. Another X factor in this game, Broderick Jones, left tackle for Georgia. Now, he's going to have his work cut out for him because he has to block either JT Tuimolau or Jack Sawyer the entirety of the day. And just imagine the sort of situation you could be in if, for whatever reason, JT Tuimolau goes out and has a game like he had against Penn State. Or Jack Sawyer is a guy that we've been waiting to call his name a lot this year. Let's suppose he pops off in the college football playoff, in that semifinal game, kind of has his coming out party. If they're able to, one, just get to Stetson Bennett in general and force longer down and distances, that's just bad for your offense. It's not where you want to operate out of. Worst case scenario, you end up giving up a strict sack, maybe two strip sacks. Well, then Ohio State and that offense have a little bit more ammunition to play with. So Broderick Jones will have a big responsibility having to neutralize one, if not both of those guys, on the defensive edges for Ohio State. But if he can, if he can be a stable bookend for them, and Georgia can operate offensively, just business as usual, will not have to stress too much about that pass rush. You're going to force Ohio State to try and manufacture a rush. You're going to have to dial up blitzes. When you dial up a blitz on Stetson Bennett, he is so poised and so experienced to where he will pick you apart. So, Broderick Jones, you can hold your own, especially in the first half. It's going to pay dividends later in the game. The final X factor for me in this one, Ohio State's wide receiver, Ameka Egbuka. It's no secret. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a freak. In fact, for our program awards here on this channel, he won Freak of the Year. Uh, that award is in the mail, Marvin, I believe. But Ameka Egbuka, I believe, will have to step up big time in this game. Because if I'm Georgia, and if I'm looking at this thing the correct way, I'm giving extra attention to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, if we're losing this game, it's not because Marvin Harrison Jr. is mossing our defensive backs. It's not losing one-on-one -on -one to him. It's not letting C.J. Stroud just absolutely put it up and let him go make a play. And they try to do that, quite frankly. I mean, I think he leads the country. saw so that the other day. He leads the country in single-coverage touchdowns. With, like, 11 touchdowns when you try to man him up with just one person. So... Let's be real here. You probably need to allocate some extra resources to Marvin Harrison Jr. So when that happens, somebody else has got to make a catch for you. The guy that I'm looking at, like I already mentioned, Emeka Egbuka. He looked good in the Michigan game. I think he needs the game of his season so far in this game against Georgia to be able to keep this defense off balance and allow Ohio State, allow the, the, the really strength of Ohio State's offense to dictate the tempo to Georgia and allow C.J. Stroud to have somebody else to throw the rock to. I know you got Stover. I know that he is a factor at the very least for Ohio State's offense, but with what Emeka Egbuka brings from a speed perspective and helping stretch the field, if you don't have Marvin Harrison Jr., I think he's the guy that you want to see step up for you. So to recap it, A.D. Mitchell for Georgia, huge X factor. If he can be that 50-50 ball extraordinaire for you that you haven't had available this year, year really to be honest because he's been hurt that would be huge and take advantage of a potential inconsistent spot against Ohio State's corners Tommy Eichenberg linebacker for Ohio State if you can hold your own in the run big fella we don't have to allocate more in the run game and we try to minimize then Georgia's explosive plays through the pass so Tommy Eichenberg a hinge factor and an X factor if you want to put it that way Broderick Jones left tackle for Georgia will have to hold it down on the edges JT Tuimolowau and Jack Sawyer are some freaks, but if you can hold it down in the first half, they may get impatient, may start to dial it up more, and that's advantage Stetson Bennett. Emeka Egbuka, Marvin Harrison Jr. should get some extra attention. We need you to step up when things aren't going our way in the pass game. If we can't get it to Marvin Harrison Jr., we need you to be that guy to stretch the field if you're Ohio State. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're going to break it down, going to predict it here in the very near future. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. But the Peach Bowl is just around the corner. Transfer portal season turned up. Recruiting season all the way turned up. The bowl games and the college football playoff is still about to get going. So don't let them distract you. We'll break it all down when it gets here. X-Factors, man. Got to love them. Got to love them. They always show their face during bowl season, too. This is how you get yourself into the preseason awards watch list. If you just ball in a bowl game, everyone's going to say, hey, keep an eye on them. They could break out. 
Marvin Harrison Jr. actually did it a season ago in the Rose Bowl. You had Olave, you had Wilson both sitting out the bowl game, and who had a huge day? Marvin Harrison Jr. A little bit of, sneak, little bit of a sneak peek for some of these guys uh, in terms of X factors. But now the best thing we do on this entire program, you join the party. Been patient all show long. Have you all in the live chat, so thank you for that. Now welcoming in the keeper of the queue, the heavy lifter extraordinaire, Nick Brake. How we doing, big Nick? Gotta get my mic pulled up. I'm I doing know, good, brother. man. Dude, I'm doing good. Uh, a lot of people in the chat today. Doing good, JD. Love it, love it, man. What are they saying in the chat? Um, well, we got, uh, I think, a pretty wide variety of fans in here today. Um, but we've got a couple questions from Florida, so we'll go there first. Love it. Uh, first, Zach Jackson. Who do you think UF lands in the transfer portal at quarterback? And then another question that you can sort of um, double up, Sean McCook, will the Florida Gators make the top five in the 2023 class rankings in recruiting? Ooh, good question. So I would say, to answer the second part of that question, I think they make a push. I think they end up getting into the top five. Don't have any intel, don't have any insight on that or about who's going to commit where. That's just my feel on it. I think Billy Napier is in go mode on the recruiting trail. So keep an eye on them as we lead up to signing day to get into the top five. I believe they're close right now. They're battling, but I think they will end up getting there when it's all said and done. In terms of the transfer portal, where they got to go for quarterback, my top choice would be Devin Leary, to be honest with you. I think it's probably everybody in the country's top choice. He's taken a visit to Kentucky, so we'll see where he ends up landing um, and how much you know noise is coming our way after that visit. Listen, if you, if you don't end up getting Devin Leary, Grayson McCall, a guy who's apparently interested in Auburn, that would be a phenomenal get. Athleticism, good decision maker, Florida's already going to have a great run game. So if they have somebody else that can just be consistent through the air, get it to your playmakers in space, and create on the ground when you need to, I think that would be exactly what the doctor ordered. Hudson Card, I'm not hearing anything about him in, in Florida having like mutual interest, but I think he's another guy who checks a lot of the needs. Maybe not all the wants, maybe not the flashiest name, maybe not the biggest arm or you know all these other tools that you would like to have in a quarterback that maybe Devin Leary does possess. But Hudson Card, I think, could also be a really, really good solution if you don't end up getting your top choice in Devin Leary. But Austin Reed said he's staying home at WKU, brother. How you feel about that, Nick? That's a big get for the home team there. He is, man. Do you know WKU has been spoiled? If you don't know who the Hilltoppers are, well, we are. Uh, would you want to call us QBU right now? Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say, what, them, Zappy. Mike Chris White is playing pretty good yeah, football right okay. now in the National Football League. Uh, my yeah, Bailey Zappi just last year. Now Austin Reed. It is a uh, it is a good. It's a factory. It's a man. good school. It's a factory. I also, love it though. I love know, it. What else we got, Big Nick? Uh, we got Minecraft arenas in here. Let's commenting. Go. Love the name. Love Let's Minecraft. Go. By the way, uh, do you, I, as you probably assume I do. Uh, Minecraft arena says, do you think Bo Nix will stay next year at Oregon? And if so, does Dante Moore stay with Oregon and redshirt like Arch Manning? Uh, which obviously isn't official yet, or does he head to somewhere like USC or UCLA? Excuse me, um, JD, looking like UCLA might happen. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I think what Josh said earlier in the show is the logic I would subscribe to. If he ends up taking an official this week to Eugene, I breathe a little bit easier. I feel a bit more at peace. Uh, I think he's just gonna. I mean, I have a feel on this. I just think he's gonna stick with Oregon. I think there's just so much buzz around what Dan Lanning's producing there. Um, I think he's happy to have made that commitment when he did. I mean, I think he committed when he did, knowing that there was a possibility that things weren't totally the same, you know, this time during the year as he did when he committed. So all that's to say, I'd be surprised if he committed anywhere besides Oregon, but Bo Nix is someone who, if I'm Bo Nix, I come back for another year. Like the way that we talk about Bo Nix today, as opposed to how he was talked about at the beginning of the season, kind of radical. You don't know what you're going to get from him. He's inconsistent. And now we're like, hey, he maybe should have gone to New York for the Heisman Trophy. He should have been in that consideration. So I think one more year for Bo Nix would be awesome. And if I'm Dante Moore, I'm cool with waiting one year behind Bo Nix. Give me a chance to learn the system, get adjusted to college life, our red shirt. I think that makes all the sense in the world. So if I'm Dante Moore, I stick with Oregon. If I'm Bo Nix, I say run that back, Turbo. Let's do it one more year. That's a great question, though. Yep. I like that we got some some West Coast love, baby. A little, little bit oh, of yeah. West Coast. Uh, Minecraft Arena is always in here. Uh, I can't tell if it's Bo Nix or if it's uh, Justin Herbert, but he's got the Oregon uh, quarterback represented in his uh, 
profile picture okay. too. Uh, by the way, uh, David Gill asked a good question here. What school do you think can be the next one to take the big step and become one of the elites of college football? I think that's a great question. That is a great um, question, yeah. Also says, wants to know why, and then finally ends off by saying, I love the show. Um, used to go by Lon before he Lon, used his yeah. real name. So if you remember yeah, the remember old commoner Lon. of Lon, that is David Gill. David, it's great to get your uh, real name and not just your alias, and it's great to have you back here Glad on the to program. Have you. Glad to have you, David. Great question, man. So I'm going to interpret this in terms of programs that could compete for national titles in the future is how I'm going to interpret that question. It's kind of a cop-out, but USC was knocking on the door going into this year. And if they can get the right guys in the trenches in the portal, that will just change their entire trajectory as they go into the Big Ten here in the next few years. They have a small window to capitalize because they got Caleb Williams for one more year. So USC, I think, is close to getting back to that top tier. Another program I would look at, I mean, I think Colorado is going to be fascinating, Nick, and maybe that's kind of just the, the another cop-out, another kind of hot take. But with Deion Sanders and what he is going to do in recruiting and the transfer portal, if they have any kind of success this year, eight wins, nine wins, that machine will operate itself. Like, come play for Dion, win football games, be on the West Coast. USC and UCLA are gone, so we're going to compete for the title every single year. Like, that could be the reality that Colorado lives in in the very near future. So, will they stay that way? Depends on what Coach Prime does in the future. If they are successful, does he take on their job? So, we're getting down the road there a little bit too much, but I think Colorado and USC on the West Coast could be programs to watch as they potentially could return, I guess would be for both those programs, return to being at the top tier across the college football landscape. Great, great question, though, David, man. Glad yeah. to have you on the program and glad to uh, get your real name, like Nick said. Yeah, awesome. Uh, hey, J.D., I'm going to test your uh, your college football expertise from a, okay. from a wide perspective in terms of how many teams you really can get in on. This one's about Missouri. Are you okay. good with that one? Let's do it, brother. Jeffrey Goodson, any steam on Missouri and a transfer quarterback thoughts on Theo Weese's pickup at the program? Yeah, so Missouri, I believe they just extended their coach as well. Theo Weiss was a huge get. Talked about him a little bit earlier in the program. He is a former five-star, about six foot three, 200-pound guy from Oklahoma. And Oklahoma really just kept waiting for him to break out. It never really came to fruition. So you wonder, you get him a different system, change his scenery, put him close to a guy like Luther Burden. You got Luther Burden on one side, Theo Weiss Jr. on the other. That could be huge. In terms of transfer portal quarterback whispers, I haven't heard anything in regards to Missouri. But keep an eye on, on the, all the usual names, you know, the Devin Learys. I, doesn't, I don't know that they're in the race for him, but never say never. Um, no more Austin Reed, so he's out of there. Let's see who else. Hudson Card. Let's see. Spencer Sanders could be a really interesting fit. I actually like that one probably the best just by nature of tier to tier with what Missouri could be if they got a mobile guy like Spencer Sanders in there. So keep an eye on that. Um, don't have any real smoke on them right now, but the Theo Weiss Jr. acquisition was – huge and says a lot about the way Missouri is going to trend for players in the transfer portal. So I like that though, Nick, a little bit of Missouri on the show. We, I don't think we've had that yet. I don't think we've had nope. too much Missouri just yet. Nope. I love it. That's also, good. we might have a team that we don't talk about too much here uh, from K does Baylor transfer quarterback, Kyron drone, excuse me, Kyron drones elevate the Virginia tech offense next year. Absolutely. Kyron drones, a guy that people in Waco were really, really excited about when he committed to Baylor. I believe he was an elite 11 finalist. Uh, so he's, nationally pretty well regarded in his class for being a top quarterback he's also a guy that brings that dual threat ability to you I believe he's somewhere in the neighborhood of like six foot five two fifteen plus like really big kids so he's going to bring the dual threat ability going to bring uh, a really phenomenal arm talent now can he put it together at the college level the conversation around him at Baylor was super talented, super gifted physically, but being able to adjust to the college game, read a college defense, and be up to the college speed just takes some time, as it does with any new quarterback. Uh, I understand his reason to transfer out. Blake Shapin's their guy at Baylor. He's, hey, I got to sit for a while if I want to play. So I get the decision to transfer, and I think it'll be very interesting to see how he sits on the depth chart after spring at Virginia Tech. But I, I love the change of scenery for him, and he absolutely elevates Virginia Tech in terms of a roster standpoint for what he brings to the table. So a big get for them getting Kyron Jones. That's a big-time player. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, J.D., you have time for a couple more questions? Let's do it. Two more. What do you say? Okay, two Let's more. It, brother. Um, the Rob Smith, USC signed some great guys early, especially on offense. Do we expect them to splash on defense as well? 
or do you expect them to have a top five or top 15 class when it's all said and done? Got to hang on to them. Signing days around the corner. Got to hold on mm-hmm. to those guys tight. Expect them to be a player in the transfer portal as well. Top 15, I could see that happening. I think signing day is just going to be so interesting because nobody's safe anymore. With NIL being a factor, with Coach Prime now on the loose on the West Coast, like there's so much that would make me uneasy as a USC fan. But I think they'll be, if not top five, excuse me, if not top 15, at least top 20. I think people saw a lot of USC this year in regards to just exposure. Like how much have we talked about USC on a national landscape in terms of being relevant these past few years? Not that much. Lincoln Riley's there now, and USC is once again a cool school to commit to. So some of that shine is coming back to USC. I would expect them to do well in the transfer portal, like I already mentioned, but I think top 15, top 20 at the very least is what you should expect for this year. But in the future, USC will be back in that top 10. I firmly believe that. The NIL packages will continue to trend upward, and I think the product on field will continue to be more attractive. The transition to the Big Ten Conference could be a thing that helps you recruiting nationally. Just the brand of USC is going to get more and more shiny as it was previously under Pete Carroll. So excited for USC in the future, but for this year, top 15, yes, top 20 feels like a safe bet. Okay. What do you think? Last question, Big Nick. What do we got, baby? Last question. And by the way, um, if I kind of skip you, uh, a good way for me to see it again is if you ask again. Uh, That's what Don Juan Jose, sorry if I got that wrong. It's all one word. It's kind of jumbled up, but uh, he asked it a second time, wants to know if there's anything that you can tell us about Denver Harrison or Denver Harris and maybe going to LSU, JD. Yeah, Denver Harris from Texas A&M. I don't know anything in regards to anything reported about LSU. I believe he was going to visit there. I can't say that for sure, so fact check me on that one. Now, for a guy like Denver Harris, I'm worried about Coach Prime, quite honestly. A guy, Denver Harris, super talented, I believe he was a five-star out of high school, if not a high, if not a five-star, a high four-star. So tons of talent is going to be sought after by a lot of programs. LSU makes sense on paper, but just keep an eye on his recruitment and keep an eye on Deion Sanders in this whole operation. I don't have any insight, don't have any intel in re- relation to his recruitment, but I'm just saying the way it feels right now, LSU, but also keep an eye on Deion. So should be a lot of fun to break that down. And uh, we'll definitely talk about it here on the live show when he does commit. So keep it locked right here for all the intel on Denver Harris and the transfer portal in general. But Nick, man, I appreciate you holding it down. I appreciate you producing the show, being in the live chat, doing graphics. Like if y'all saw what Nick Brake does during our live program, he's like Johnny Menzel back there when he drops back, balls up in the air, still catches it, throws a touchdown. That's Nick Brake. So Nick, appreciate you making it happen, boss. Appreciate it, man. Never get tired of being called Johnny Menzel. Well, I can't get tired because this is the first time, but I appreciate it, JD. And I'll see you here Thursday. Absolutely. Nikki football, Nikki production, maybe. Maybe that's the new nickname <laughs> we give to Nick Break. But, folks, thank you so much for locking in with us. This is an absolute blast. Y'all are the reason we're able to do a show like this year-round. College football is a year-round sport. 12 months out of the year, they're talking about it or playing it or something's happening within it. We want to make sure that you're up to date on everything. So one of the beautiful reasons that we're able to do this show. We're also on podcast. On Apple, if you like Apple, we're on Spotify. If that's more your jam, Spotify wrapped. Maybe you got the hard kind in there. Maybe you don't. But wherever you get your podcast, you can listen back to this program. So we appreciate you doing that in advance. Subscribe there. Give us a five-star review. Subscribe to this channel. We are surging right now. It is all thanks to y'all. It is a team effort. We, us, ours. What I like to say, meaning we're all winning. We're all involved in this. We win, we lose together as a program, as a show, as a community. All right, so keep it locked right here. We will see y'all again on Thursday, 1 Central, 2 Eastern. Come on back. We're going to talk a lot about the transfer portal. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be more commitments and news that breaks. Keep it locked right here. You're home for everything. College football, 12 months out of the year. We appreciate you. We love you. We're going to keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time.